Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by Gary Mumford, founder and CEO of Insight Associates. For over 30 years, Gary has been supporting business growth through professional financial management, reporting clarity, and control, specifically helping companies navigate the complex world of financial management as they scale up. Once businesses get like to a million, one to two million dollars, they often experience a lot of changes, hiring new staff, developing marketing systems and investing in infrastructure, but often their financial systems lag behind. And I can actually speak from personal experience from past clients. And in one case that comes to mind, their bookkeeper who was perfect before they hit seven figures struggled to keep up. And the consequences of this were severe. For my client, it became a massive tax headache, one which could have been avoided with better financial management systems and planning. So I've asked Gary to join us here today to to discuss exactly how to avoid that sort of thing. So Gary, thanks so much for joining us, my friend. How are you doing? Yeah, we're good, Daryl. Yeah, it's really good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's an honor and pleasure. We've been laughing and jokes and I've been making a <laughs> fool of myself, but it's all good. Now, before we hop into the nitty gritty of the nuts and bolts in this, like how did you even get involved? I, obviously, you've been around for a long time. You're savvy at what you do, both with delivering to clients and in just in marketing yourself. But how did you get started? You come from a family of entrepreneurs. Were your parents business owners? No, not at all. Not at all. No, they're very different. I, I can't remember when I didn't want to become an accountant, which is quite a worrying admission, really, isn't it? But so, yeah, when I was at school, that was my so I focus. And I qualified in industry and got some good experience with different types of businesses and different situations like that. But no, there's no real background in that. My, my family are quite diverse in what they do and very different. Yeah, I don't know where the gene came from, really. I think for me, when we started Insight in 1992, I got very fed up with corporate life very quickly. You know, so I was only then in my early 30s and it was a yeah, I don't know. It's an early thing for me, really thinking, actually, I want to do something for myself and be in control of my own destiny and not have to think about what other people think. I know what that could be like. <laughs> so accounting was your first kind of foray. You said you worked with different businesses. Was accounting your first kind of for venture into the business? Yeah. Did you work yeah. in business in any other capacity? No? No, just the financial side. Made my way up in my career during my 20s, qualified, and then got senior roles and became finance director of a couple of companies, relatively small companies, which were growing and, and developing, and had some interesting experiences seeing how those businesses were being held back by a lack of good quality financial understanding amongst the other directors and making good quality decisions. So even though I was quite young then and quite inexperienced, I began to see that actually there was something here that was missing in this development of these businesses. They really didn't get how the financial picture had such a big bearing on whether they could achieve what they wanted to. Company I joined in, in the 1980s, distributed building products and building materials and they'd grown massively very short period of time and that they had no financial controls whatsoever no accounting function no nothing this company sold building products 
And the guys who were running it could probably sell sand to the Arabs, could do anything like that. They were brilliant at it. But there was no controls in the business whatsoever. And they were eating more and more capital and getting more and more out of control. And when I joined them, we were having conversations at board meetings about the difference between cash and profit and the impact of what they were doing and stocks and everything else. And it really opened my eyes to thinking there must be a lot of other businesses like this. The guys that are running it really know their business. They really know their product. They can sell it. They can develop it. But they don't have the financial skills to support making sure they're building something that's robust and solid that's going to have longevity and not just go bust when it runs out of money. That was really the thinking. So what were some, you started alluding to some of them, financial controls. Maybe you can explain what a financial control is for the listeners. What does that mean? I think it's really, the problem is, I think with most, a lot of people, is really understanding the financial implications of the decisions they're making. Mm -hmm. So you need, in order to make decisions about your business, you really need to understand what the financial picture is, whether you've got the capital and the cash to do the things you want to do to develop the business, you're not overstretching yourself, and that all elements of the business are performing in the way you think they should be performing. And you're not going to get that type of information in the right sort of format that helps you make those decisions unless all the basic accounting functions are underneath it are working well and that you've got all the day-to-day bookkeeping is being done to a really good quality it's up to date it's accurate it's recording things in a way that enables you to analyze what's going on later on it's reconciled and the quality of the accounting is really solid we have a model at insight now which we call the pyramid model and we look on it, look at the financial function in a business like a pyramid. And the period of pyramid has three layers. Now, the bottom layer of the pyramid, which is your foundation, is what you're building your pyramid on, is your day-to-day bookkeeping, your accounting, your record keeping, all your transactions and that sort of stuff. Now, as I said before, that needs to be done really well because that's your foundation you're building on. Um, so if you're going to build your pyramid, you need to make sure that foundation is strong enough to support the whole pyramid. So it's often undervalued, but the day-to-day bookkeeping and transactional side of a business is really important to get right and get the quality there and make sure it's complete, it's accurate, it records everything that's going on and does it in a very timely manner. So it's always up to date. Then the middle layer of the pyramid is typically where your accountant comes along and makes some sense of all that data and understands what's missing, what needs correcting, what needs putting in, which isn't there, in order to produce some reporting, which hopefully is good quality reporting that's relevant to the business. Just a straightforward income statement or profit and loss account is really not going to be of much use to anybody running a business. They need Mm -hmm. to understand the component parts that make that up. They need to understand how that fits their business model, what different activities they've got going on in the business, and it needs to drive information. We always say that that's a lot of people call that management accounts or management information. And it's called management for a reason because it's there to help management and it's helped to make good decisions. So mm. then that middle layer is, as I say, is about the accountant bringing all that together and making sense of it and making sure it's good quality. And then the top of the pyramid is where the CFO or the finance director comes along and actually uses that information to help the board, to help the other directors, the other leaders in the business to make good quality decisions about where they're going and to be there as like the bellwether and the candid friend for them to say actually hold on let's think about this it does what does this mean what's the potential return we're going to get from this investment or what's the impact of this not happening or what's going on the accountants often get a very 
bad press on being boring and the grey suited and all that sort of stuff. But often the reason for that is because they are the ones that are constantly in check. They're constantly saying, hold on, let's think about this. Whereas your, your, your entrepreneurial guys, your sales guys are eager to get on and move quickly. And sometimes you need to just stop for a moment. Let's think about what this really means. And on the back mm. of good quality information, you can say, if we did, this might happen. Can we afford Can we afford to make a mistake here? What happens if it doesn't go according to plan? What impact is that going to have on the business? It's that sort of checking and ensuring that you're doing the right things, especially you can business is a risky process we all know that so really you're someone who's playing that cfo type role on the back of that good quality information is sitting at the top of my pyramid that's they should be there to be the check to be the candy friend the confidant the person that you go to when you're trying to make good decisions about your business who's going to help you make sure you make the right ones Mm -hmm. and that's really the model and that's really what I learned back then when I was in those businesses thinking these guys could just they'll go for the moon they're they're just going at a phenomenal pace but the whole thing will just explode if they're not careful yeah Um, I've seen that I've witnessed companies grow so fast it kills them which shocked me yeah I was really surprised about that yeah, it sounds like you're talking about the top is really data-driven decisions and decision modeling, the projections, which is what I'm always asking for and talking to people. Like, And then, of course, garbage in, garbage out, the quality of your data really matters. So I understand why that's the foundation, because if, you, yeah. if you're operating under false assumptions, your projections, yeah. Your, yeah, everything is for naught. So you really Absolutely. have to make sure that foundation is proper. And I love that you put the reports in the middle and then, of course, the top of that. So now... Isn't this what you were taught? Like you, you became a proper accountant. What were the, what were some of the like challenges? Because it sounds like you, you learned some things with those first businesses that you work with, but I imagine you've continued to learn. Were there any big obstacles or setbacks or did you have this pyramid in your mind to begin with? Or did it take time to figure out, oh, this is a problem or you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, every, every day is a school day, isn't it? You learn something every day. We all do. But the, I think now the pyramid model was evolved. When we first started out with Insight, as I say, 30 years ago, we just potentially saw ourselves going in, just doing the CFO type role and going in and providing that type of knowledge and experience into businesses which didn't have it. Right. But we quickly discovered that we couldn't be at the top of the pyramid unless the pyramid had been built first. first. So the thing is, yeah, so, you know, <laughs> And that's when that whole idea began to evolve. And it took a few years for us to develop into that model. I think that most businesses, it's an evolving process. You don't end up where necessarily where you think you're going to end up because you take the opportunities and things that come along. So in our early years, we were actually, in our early years, we were quite involved with distressed businesses and businesses that were in turnaround where we were able to go into that situation and make a difference. But what we quickly discovered a lot of the time is exactly what you just said, is that the the businesses were working on poor information the the Mm. people were making decisions backed on information that wasn't accurate so they thought they understood where they were but often they didn't and that what they were given was wrong so we quickly found that the only way really to fix these problems was to get involved in all that detail to dig into and effectively go back into my pyramid models is even though before we thought of it as a pyramid we're going down the bottom of the pyramid and building the foundations again and starting again and often in a distressed environment where there's a, re- a restructuring going on, that's actually a really good opportunity for a reset. So if you've got a, we worked with a lot of businesses back then that the business model was solid. 
the guys that were running the business understood what they were doing. They had a market, they had everything else, but they'd made some bad decisions along the way and they didn't really understand what the implications of those decisions were until it was too late. Mm. So what we were able to do in those situations, because they were going through a restructuring, they were effectively having a reset and they were starting again. Then we put new systems in place and new processes in place to make sure that the same mistakes weren't made. And that's when the pyramid began to see it. We began to see that as a model where we're thinking, hold on, what we're doing here is we're building a process so that we can mm. do the CFO role and add value to this business, but do it properly based on good, solid foundations and a good, mm. solid system. And then during from that process, really, we then developed into what we really deliver today, which is an outsource model. So in effect, what we are now is a turnkey finance and accounting function for a business. Mm. We are delivering the entire pyramid to a business that long before they would typically build a department within the company and hire their own staff to do that. Right. So that's in effect what we're, what we're now doing. We're saying, hold on, what you need is this whole thing. And it's it, we see it time and time again where we go in to look at new businesses that we're, we're looking to work with, where the basic business model seems sound. They're probably not performing at the level they should be. But the guys that are running it just have no quality financial data. They've got no understanding of what their financial picture is or what information they do have. We quickly demonstrate is actually not complete, not accurate and potentially misguiding them and sending them in the wrong direction. And we've seen some horrendous examples of that. But often, and, and Ron? yeah, no, because if it, as I say, I think we've got to separate is the business model sound? Is what these guys are doing and selling and also they've got a good market? Could they can this work? You need to separate that from the fact that their back office and their financial side is weak. And you can fix a financial side if you've got a good business. Sometimes you haven't right. got a good business, but you know, that but if there's a good business there, you can normally sort it out. And you said in the introduction, Dale, that often these businesses have outgrown what they put in place on right. day one when they were small and they were just one man and a dog or whatever they were and they hired a part-time bookkeeper that was fine and that did the job because they were then in control of everything that was going on they could see every transaction was happening in their business they knew every intimate detail of what was happening in their business and they had they had the bookkeeper there and that all worked fine and then as they've grown and they've developed and they've hired more staff and they've got bigger premises and the business has generally got larger and larger they're not in touch with everything that's going on any, every, anymore they can't possibly be seeing and feeling everything that's happening in that business anymore and they'll bring people in to do various elements of the jobs that are needed to do that so more sales people more operational people more whatever they're doing but actually the bookkeeper they hired on day one is still sitting in the corner and they've done nothing about that. And that person's becoming overwhelmed with the volume of things they're having to do. They're not, they've not got the skill set or the, the ability to deliver at the level that's now needed. And they've certainly not got this skill set to deliver management information that helps those directors, those leaders of that business make the right decisions. And But the problem is that often gets left behind. It doesn't get looked after because Until those that are running that thing. business. Yeah. Until something goes wrong, there's normally any, we normally find most of the businesses we get involved in, there's been some event, something's happened. They've had a cash crisis or they've had a, I know, inspection from the tax man or there's something else has, or that bookkeeper's walked out the door for some reason. Something's happened and, and they've then thought, oh, you know, what's going on? What We don't understand this stuff. What they really need to do is address it at the same time as they address all the other component parts of the business as they're growing. And they, and they accept that they can't carry on doing things the way they were doing them at the beginning.
So what would you recommend to someone who's either starting out or struggling now? Like maybe a company that's doing a million, two million, they've probably got a bit of a budget or can find budget somewhere because there's so much cash flowing. What would you recommend to someone that's starting out and struggling and they're growing, maybe they're hitting their stride. But like you said, I think the foundation is so important. Is there any tips for how do you start it right to begin with? I think, as I say, unfortunately, in our experience, most of the time, something needs to happen to make those guys wake up to the fact that's not right. But it's really a case of, I think what you need to do in that situation is stand back from where you are, from the business on a data basis and say, do I really understand which products we're selling that are making money? Do I understand what our cash flow is doing? Do I understand where we've got cash tied up in the business? Do I understand where we're likely to be in a few months' time? Is there any projections or forecasts being done? And just ask, start asking questions about what they really understand. And don't just make an assumption that because they've been involved in that business from day one and they lived and breathe it, they understand it all because no, they probably right. don't anymore. It's other right. people doing stuff. They're not seeing stuff. I worked with someone a long time ago before Insight and the rest of it, a guy who he had a, a quite a large factory and he used to turn up in the morning and, he, and park his car out the front of the factory and his office was literally right next to where his car was parked right. but he walked he then got out of the car and he walked right to the back of the site at the beginning of the day right and he walked right the way through the whole factory talked to lots of people it took him sometimes half an hour to do it and that was how he started every day and he by the time he got to his office invariably the phone would ring because he discovered something that he didn't like the look of and yeah because he appreciated that if he mm. just got out of his car and sat in his office all day, he wouldn't he would, be seeing what was going on in his business. And it was a bit of a standing joke with the senior people in the business that, you know, that, that half an hour before he, after he turned up in the morning, if you got a phone call, you knew you had to go down and see him and something, he found something that he didn't like or he didn't want to know about this or that. But it was fine. But you could really respect it, the fact that's what he always did every day. It didn't matter. Yeah. And he therefore was interacting with these people. There yep. was, I don't know, 30 or 40 people on the site. He was yep. talking to them. He was seen. He wasn't locked away in his office. Yep. And he was you know, interested in what was happening and often finding out things that he didn't know or wasn't maybe concerned about or whatever. Some question would always come out of that process. But and it's just about getting walking, in touch. Management, management by walking around, being present on the oh. floor, in the front lines with people. I think that's huge. It's huge. It's yeah, huge. I think that is huge. Don't lock yourself away. But also in the context of that from the financial point, it's the same thing with your financial information. Don't just accept what's put in front of you and accept that says we made X amount of money last month. That's great. Put it to one side and move on. Right. Look at it and understand it and start questioning it. Because when you start raising questions, you might well find actually it's not right or it's misleading or there's something hidden underneath there which you can't see because of the way it's been presented to you. And then you will probably find out something that you didn't appreciate before, which might improve your business or stop something going wrong or whatever. It's, I think the other thing with this is what I find really fascinating is that most people, individuals, are pretty poor at managing their personal financial affairs. We're, generally, most people are pretty bad at managing their personal finances. Yeah. Then they go into business. Why is it going to be, yeah. it going to be any different? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> a lot of people are like, if I won the lottery, I would X, Y, Z. But actually, what matters is when the numbers are small. Because if you're mismanaging the small numbers, all that's going to happen is if we throw a million dollars on there, it's going to, if you've got a bucket full of holes, 
it's just going to, you can fill it, but it's going to empty out so fast. If it's not, it's resource allocation. That's a big part of what financial management is, in my opinion. And I wanted to get your input on this because as someone I'm focused on helping businesses grow and driving growth and helping them maintain, get and keep, I always say I help businesses get and keep customers. How does that tie into the reporting? For, from your, I want to get your perspective. I'm always trying, I'm constantly looking at two things. I'm trying to, I'm trying to connect activity with sales and repeat sales. I'm always trying to, and then trying to figure out the net and the lifetime customer value. And then obviously the cost for cost of good, all like net, uh, sorry, I already said net. I meant the cost per lead, cost per sale, that sort of stuff. How does yeah, that yeah. tie into the reporting part though? Like what other elements because if you if your only tool is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. So for me, I'm really focused on that. And I know because I saw it with a client, we added a million dollars to her business and she just had an IRS nightmare and was like looking at setting up her sites in Dubai and stuff. She ultimately ended up getting moving to Dubai because she was like, it was just nuts. And that's where I'm saying like how, what most people, because a lot of people, I'm sure they have a bookkeeper in that. So is there like a, just something they don't consider every day? right? There's probably tons of people listening to this that have a business. They're like, I have a bookkeeper. I get my reports. I don't know what the big deal is. I do my taxes. Can you give an example of here? I'll give an example. Account receivables. I had a client. I went through there at the time they were using Infusionsoft, Infusionsoft account. And I found that they had $120,000 worth of account receivables that haven't been collected because they were doing sales, but no one was tracking the payment plans and that sort of thing. A very common problem. Very common problem. Yeah. Yeah. But it's about, I think there is an angle with this that I think it's having the right people in the right places. Going back to what we were saying about the bookkeeper, and I'm not knocking bookkeepers at all because actually they have a very key function to make, but they need to be the right people doing the right job at the right time. So your bookkeeper that was great when you were a small little business with two people in it or whatever was fine. Is that the right bookkeeper to have in place when you're doing a few million turnover? Probably not. And also the skill set you need broadens so there's one thing having someone just doing your bookkeeping on a day-to-day basis when you're really small when you get bigger you need other things and as i said going back to my thing about you when you're small you know everything that's going on in your business as soon as it grows that there's this there's that change and this is why we talk about a million two million turnover because that is typically the sort of tipping point where things change because that sort of depends on the type of business obviously every business is very different in terms of how it's operating but around that time that space is the tipping point where you move out of having day-to-day control because you're there and you know what's going on to moving into a situation where actually your role as a leader in a business should be becoming more strategic and not and less doing and and you're not in control of all the day-to-day stuff that's going on. And you need to put in place some sort of reporting that actually supplements and changes that from where you were. So you get the information in a different way. And then the problem is that's well normally well beyond the capability of your bookkeeper. They're not the right person for that. They're just there to recall the basic transactions, which they can probably do very well. You really need to step back at that point and say, what is it like you said about the what is it we need to understand to drive this business forward? And what is it we need to make sure we're on top of to make sure that it doesn't we don't get caught out by it? You talk about accounts receivable. That's often a big one. It often gets forgotten about until cash gets low and then everybody goes, we haven't got any cash in the bank. No, but we're owed X millions from customers. So it's about as a business grows up and becomes a very different size of business from the one that was started, 
the accounting and the financial management needs to grow up with it. So there's a point in that sort of process where there is a need for a CFO type role. Now that may only be, that only may only be a few hours a month, maybe a few hours a week, but it needs to be there. And it's a fallacy to think only big businesses need CFOs. Every business needs a CFO. When you're small and you're starting out, you're actually doing that job yourself. Very quickly, you're not able to do that. You haven't got the skills to do that job. And as I said earlier, the business will grow and it will bring in new people with new skills in order to enable it to grow and develop. Why don't people do that with the financial side? Because they don't understand it. They don't see it's a problem until it goes wrong. They're not giving it the, the attention it deserves. It needs to be done proactively earlier. And then there's the affordability issue. What can the business afford? Which is really why we ended up with down the outsource model of saying, actually, for the cost of what you're paying for your bookkeeper and the other things you've got in the place at the moment, right. you might be able to replace, replace that with a team of people that are, have got processes and systems in place that can give you a turnkey solution to give you that. I love that. Now, you, one of the things that caught me was you said that account receivables is typically a big one. What are the other greatest mistakes that you see people making? If people listening to this want to know, hey, do I need to go check if I'm bleeding, if I'm hemorrhaging cash? What are the big, the biggest failings? Another one often is inventory or stock. If you're in a business that's buying and selling things and you're, you're building stock, so you might you, you can often have a lot of stock sitting around, which or inventory sitting around, which isn't doing anything. It's not moving. It's not selling. Or people don't know it's still there. Yeah. That's obviously hit a mark with you, Daryl. But it, oh, yeah. it, it's so common. It's, in, it's interesting as well. And just being a bit count, accounting geeky for a moment. Everybody is interested in the income statement or the profit and loss account, depending on what you call it, right? They they look at the top of that statement and it shows how big their sales are. And they look at the bottom and say, yes, we're making money. No one looks at the the balance sheet. Now, actually, the balance (laughs) sheet is the most important financial statement you get. But the vast majority of people don't look at it because they don't understand it. But that that. will tell you where the cash is tied up. That will tell you where potentially the problems are. And it's not, and a balance sheet is just a point in time. It's just the balances of how much assets you're sitting on, what liabilities you've got, all that sort of, it's a point in time. So it's useful sometimes to look at your balance sheet over a period of time and look at trends, right? So then if you look at a trend on your balance sheet over say 12 months and you can say, hold on, our inventory's doubled in the last 12 months or our receivables are going up or whatever. And then you'll think, hold on, why is that? Okay, we got bigger, we're doing more sales, so we need more, but do we need that much more? We're not managing managing that because everybody's as you said everybody's focused on sales yep. they're being focused on profit or margin but they're not focused on where the cash is being tied up yeah. and going going back to what i said earlier about the business that i joined where we were having conversations about the difference between profit and cash it's a hard truth unfortunately that most people that run businesses don't understand the difference between cash and profit yeah. and that is probably one of the most important things you really need to understand because it, it's not a lack of profit that kills you it's a lack of cash cash i love that i was laughing because i have clients they just spent 20 grand on inventory and they had got hit with an ad account that reactivated on its own and billed them for nine grand in a month and then they just entered their slow season and so they didn't paste the inventory out right there you go and, and i've been asking yep. them to give me access to their quickbooks for months i was like guys you need to let me you need to let me go look at your QuickBooks so I can try to see what's happening and keep an eye on things for you. Because I know there these guys, this is a group of guys that are running multiple ventures at once. That's why I was laughing. Because I was like, guys, this is why you need to give me access like a month ago, yep. two months ago. 
because you got billed two grand one month and then seven grand the next month for Facebook ads. And I could have told you, because after we asked about the inventory, I could have told you it was a bad time of year to do this. Anyways, that's my little rant. That's my little <laughs> silly. But it's so true. And the thing is, as well, is that it is the, the other thing that we find is really powerful. Uh, and I can I can attest to this. I've run my own business for 30 years. When you're running your own business, you have a huge emotional attachment to your business. It's your baby. It's your thing. You built it. It's you. It's part of you and all the rest of it. There's huge value in someone outside of your business coming in and looking at it. They don't have the emotional attachment. They can tell you the hard facts and the hard truths without having to worry about it. And they can see things that are blindingly obvious to them, but not blindingly obvious to you. And whether that's a financial person or it's someone like yourself or it's some other consultant or someone else, there's huge value in in letting someone in to have a look because... They, they don't have that emotional attachment and they're much more objective about it. And we've had so many conversations with clients over the years where we've had to tell them that the hard truth of where they are, not necessarily always bad news, it's about this is what's going on here. And we think, why didn't they see this? Well, they just didn't. And it needed someone else outside to actually come in and say, this is what's really going on here and this is why. And it's that's what we do. That's where our experience is. We don't understand necessarily what it is about their business that makes their business work because that's what their experience is. No, I'm you're I'm vibing with everything you're saying because I fully get it. Somebody I was once told that every business needs three people. You need a product person, you need a marketing and sales person, and you need a finance person. And they can't be the same people. Like you can't have one person doing all no. three roles because everybody has strengths and weaknesses. And everybody has to obsess about each. The product person has to obsess about making sure that whatever you're delivering is world-class and constantly improving, right? You don't want to become outdated. The marketing salesperson has to constantly be focused on getting people through the door, getting them to buy again and getting them to buy more products or creating partnerships where they can do referrals to things and have people refer business back and forth to you, business development stuff. And the finance person, like you said, they got to watch money management. If somebody stops, if they're not running lean, real easy for interest payments to creep up on you, a change in the economy, yeah. all of a sudden, if you're investing or you're not investing in R&D, right? If you're buying things that aren't assets, but are actually liabilities, there's somebody who's got to be watching this stuff. Like you said, the if your inventory is getting overbloated and you've got an operations person that's just overzealous and is, hey, we can save 10% on inventory if we spend 20 grand today going into the slow season. Someone's got to be, like you said, I guess, controlling the pace of things. Yeah, it's the, it's the person who puts their hand up and says, no, let's, let's think about that before we do that. And also, as I say, he's standing back from the situation and looking at it objectively and not getting carried away with the emotion. And it, yeah, it's a really valuable role. And in part of the, the philosophy we have at Insight Associates is that every situation we work with, we want to be there because we're adding value into that business. We're giving something back, which is bigger and more valuable than what, what we're doing. And that again comes back to my pyramid model. That's where the top of the pyramid happens. Yeah. That is the top of the pyramid is where the values add. That CFO type role, the playing that sort type of role is where yeah. you can add a lot of value. And then you're really, you're giving something back to the business, which is making that business better and stronger. When that works, it's a really great feeling because you really feel you've contributed to that yeah. business. But the people that are running it have got to be open to the fact that, 
they need that. And that's really where they are. I've actually found it interesting over the years to look at why businesses fail and why they don't work. Because there's such a high proportion of startups never get past their first year or their first right. few years. And I often, I feel when you actually analyze it, yes, there are those that had bad ideas and bad business models, which probably were never going to work. But the vast majority of businesses fail because the people that are running them are not supported by the skills that they don't have. Just because you happen to be the best salesman in the world doesn't mean you're the best person at running a business that sells yep. things. Yep. And it's and you find that the people that are have got a level of arrogance where they think they know it all will inevitably fail. The people that build teams and build people around them that supplement the skills they have are the people that will succeed. I love that. And the financial element of that is so important. Um, they're, like, they're the cornerstones of your business. They're the people that come in. Like you said, there's three people. It was a business get bigger. It might be more people. Yeah, I think business is a team sport and not a sole hundred percent. A hundred percent. And even like we talked about inventory, but hiring, you mentioned something there. You're going to build a team. Okay. What can you afford? Right. Yeah. What can you guys yeah. afford? What's the best case, medium case, worst case scenario on the projections on that? Right. Someone's got to run those numbers and be able to predict, hey, if things maintain based off of our historical records, our cash flow is going to be this over the rest of the year. Best case, middle case, worst case. And this means for hiring. I think that, yeah, it all ties in together. We spoke before about the research that I've done, the eight critical success factors. And so there's a lot of reasons why people fail. Product market fit, product market founder fit is a big one. It's like the book report you couldn't get done in school because you just hate the book. You might love the business, but you may not like the people that you work with. If someone's helping people place people with jobs, homeless people need jobs and high-powered CEOs need jobs, but that's two different experiences for you as yep. the provider of that service. So there's product market fit, product market founder fit. And then, you know, the fundamentals is self-efficacy, market intelligence, strategic planning. That's the basis of everything. This would be a terrible time to get, start selling fax machines. In the era of video calls and digital file transfers, fax machines is maybe not going to be a big hit, right? In the near future. Yeah. So that strategy is everything. And then we have market and marketing strategy because if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it, doesn't make a sound. You could have the world's greatest products and services, but nobody knows you exist. And then I know as you, because we use similar software, right? People don't buy when they're ready to buy. They're sorry. People buy when they're ready to buy, not when you're ready to sell. So you got to stay in touch with them. You got to find a way to communicate. Sales strategy and skills is the next one. Then money management comes into play because you can have all that, like we talked about, all that running. I talked about in my in the beginning with your bio, right? The client I had, we added an extra million dollars. She's already had about a million. We added another million to it in about, I think about 10 to 13 months. And it just, like the thing almost came to pieces. Enron was another example. Newspaper, right? Newspaper subscriptions used to be rivers of gold. And then when the market changed, they lost touch with the market and they had a terrible strategy. So their market intelligence sucked. They had a terrible strategy. Maybe there was a self-efficacy issue. The team, they weren't being productive, right? Like they just get become fat cats and comfortable. They lose that yeah. eye of the tiger sort of thing. And then of course, what also what you're talking about is the business operations, but more importantly, the business intelligence. And that's the, that's like for when you talked about your pyramid, that's almost how I see it. Business operations is making sure your data has integrity the systems, the processes, the people, the hiring, all that in place, the compliance, all that's operations. But then the intelligence part is actually making the data actionable. And so there's a lot that goes into it. Again, it's not just, I like baking pies. That's what a lot of people do. I like baking pies. If everyone tells me I should open up a pie shop. So then they spend six months designing their logo and the floor plan and all this stuff. And then they just get rent for whatever is they can afford versus where the people are. 
And then they open up their pie shop and they invite all their family and friends who come make the obligatory purchase. And then they're so busy making these pies and no one is finding new business. No one, right? And then they make the pies and then the family and friends made their purchase. And now they're like, oh, I got to find people. I, Gary Halbert has this thing saying, I would beat anybody. Let's do like a business challenge. You can make the most money and you can have anything that you want to try to beat me. You have any one thing, what would you want? And everyone's, oh, I want a million dollars. I want the best recipe. I want whatever. Because I want a starving crowd bigger than yours. If I have <laughs> a starving crowd that's bigger than yours, they, we're both going to open up a burger joint. And if I have a starving crowd, I could be flipping burgers over coals and a dirt hole. Like I could just, and just upgrade. So people really forget on that stuff. Yeah. I think this is such an important topic. Sorry. Mm. I'm on a soapbox. No, it's really, it's not actually right. Absolutely right. It's interesting as well, because to my mind, yes, the financial side isn't the answer to everything, but it can also act as an early warning sign. Yes. Because if you've got the analysis in the right way and you're segmenting the business in the way that's relevant to the business, that helps the people that are running that business, see what's going on. You can begin to see the early warning signs of where some, the market's changing. You're not selling as much as that, or the prices yep. are moving or the costs are going up or whatever. Whereas a lot of the time when we get involved in new businesses, the best thing they've got is an inaccurate income statement that just tells yeah. them what the overall yeah. picture of the business is. Yeah. It's not analyzed. It's not telling, it's not giving them any information. It's just a scorecard. Yeah. And if you've got that analysis right and you've got that detail right and you're spending time reviewing it and looking at it objectively, then you can begin to see some of the trends in the business that may be not going in the direction that they should be. Yeah. And whether you've got, as you say, the market moves and things shift and what was a great business model 20 years ago is not necessarily a good great business model today um oh, so man. yeah it's seeing that and, and i think the financial picture should be adding a lot of value to that sort of decision making if it's being done properly so what are some of the habits like weekly monthly quarterly habits that you feel your best clients and even you try to get your maybe not best clients to to embody i think the well good quality regular information so you've got to get that information out quickly in the following month so that you can see what's going on because you leave it too late then too much is happening before you're you're addressing it. And then I think every business, no matter what its size, as soon as it's got a few people in it, should be having regular board meetings or whatever you want to call them. It doesn't matter what you call them, but effectively get the leaders of the business to sit down in a room, take some time out, switch their phones off, switch their email off and focus on the information they're looking at and actually begin to really objectively analyze it and understand what's going on and record those meetings and take minutes or notes from those meetings and make people accountable to take actions away and then pick those up the following month and make sure things happen. Everybody's very guilty of just getting on with the day-to-day -day in their business and doing it, doing it, doing it, and not actually standing back from what's going on. Getting good quality management accounts and, and good quality business intelligence every month is a great opportunity then to say, right, now we need to sit down and spend some time understanding this, looking at it, and being objective about it it's a great discipline in any business because mm. it's all guilty of it i'm as guilty of it as the next person we're all so mm -hmm. guilty of just doing all the day-to-day -day stuff dealing with your emails dealing with the issues that come up that day and just making the business move mm -hmm. and you're not actually standing back from it and saying what's really going on here is it, is it are we going in the right direction and we often find again in smaller businesses that's a discipline that doesn't exist so i think that's really important i think also as i said before unfortunately in so many situations, the financial side is totally undervalued. 
mm. mainly because people don't understand it. So, you know, it, whoever's sitting there in the seat for the CFO, and it doesn't matter whether they're there for just a few hours a month or whatever, they should be seen to be adding value to the situation that they're mm. in. So they're not just a pain in the neck. They're not just there to do the books. They're actually adding value. So are they bringing something to the party, which is mm. actually really, you're thinking, oh, we didn't realize that. We made that decision, which we wouldn't have made if we didn't know that and all that sort of thing. And that, they really see that they're part of the journey and bring that type of person in sooner rather than later if they're good and they're doing their job properly they will bring more value than they cost and that, that's a really important part don't just let it just don't just ignore it because you don't understand it I, uh, I feel and again i'm not i'm not an accountant i'm not a cpa i'm not a cfo but i feel like the financial data is because focus groups are notorious they're great for pointing you in a direction again i'm speaking from as a marketing guy you know they're great for pointing you in a direction but they're also notorious for lying and telling you what you want to hear surveys same thing <laughs> They're notorious yeah. for giving you answers that they think they should give, but data, I forget there's, I'm, I wish I prepared and got the quote, but it, there's a Confucian quote where it's forget what a man says, but watch his actions. How can he conceal his behavior? Right. If you watch his actions. And so that's why I feel like the numbers, in my mind, it's almost like Sudoku where you should track every metric you can possible through to sales and its relationship to sales, buying cycles, hurdle rates number of add-on or repeat business versus new sales, like retention rate, refer ratios, referrals versus complaint, like NPS, all that stuff. And it's almost like Sudoku where you get all this data and you need to make sure that you're collecting it and it's tracked to sales. Cause I did a test with a client. We ended up doing over a million with a webinar funnel and we were testing just a new registration page. And we had like version A versus version B and we were getting double the opt-ins on version B. But I was the one that was insisting that, how, what does that mean for sales? And everybody wanted to kill the test and go with version B because we're getting double the lead. But it turned out that we were getting half the sales volume as version A, even though we got less <laughs> leads. Yeah, we got yeah. less leads with version A because there was it was name, email, and then there was two drop downs, like multiple choice drop downs, like what do you want? That gave them personalized messaging, and then the other one didn't have that. And we were getting more leads, but it was a less personal experience, and it was not fifty percent less sales, same sales rate. It was like quantity wise, half the sales. And so it's yeah, why everything yeah. has to be tracked to sales. And then I feel like it's Sudoku. You almost just need to stare at it sometimes and just wait for the numbers to speak to you. Yeah. And it's the same thing as what I've been saying. What your example there is, it's the raw data on its own right. is not enough. Right. You need to present it in a way that it's meaningful and it's really telling you what the answer is. Right. And therefore you need to understand in order to do that properly, you really need to understand what makes the business tick, what yeah. things are really important to that business to make that information relevant. Yeah. And the only way you can really do that is by really understanding how the business works. Again, the financial side, yeah, large elements of the accounting and the financial side is pretty generic across all businesses. But in order to make the business information and the management accounting and all that. So really relevant. You really need to understand what, how does this business tick? What things are important here? What things aren't? Where's the money made? Where isn't it? What things do the management need to be focused on in order to make quality decisions? Yeah. And that's, that takes a bit of time to get that right. And it's constantly evolving. So what you need this year will not be the same as what you need next year. Ah, that's very interesting. That's, I hadn't considered that point. Gary, this has been, I've got like a page of notes. Uh, this has been very, this has been a great call. Some people may want to go back and listen to it a second time just to make sure they get all the nuts and bolts out of it. 
Now, is there anything that I haven't asked you that I should have asked you? No, I think we've covered quite a lot of the basics there. It's yeah, I think it. I mean, if we, if people listening to this just get the the message that what they should do is now stand back from their business and look at where they are and think, am I getting this? Do I really understand it? Do I confident in what I am seeing is right? And start asking questions, start drilling into it, and maybe look at what they where they need to go next. And then I think it will be a worthwhile conversation. So it's good. That's fantastic. Now you guys offer a health check, don't you? Yeah, we've got a we've got a, a sort of a high level health check that's on our website, which is www.insightassociates.co.uk. That's insight i n s i g h t. That just gives you a basic overview. It gives you a response about whether you're getting some of the basics right. And from that, we can possibly have a dialogue if it's interesting. But we also do a health tech service where we can go into a business for maybe a day or so using our expertise Mm -hmm. and our skills and experience and just analyze where you are, what you're doing. And, you know, what, what, and just give you a report back and say, actually, this isn't so good. This is really good. We, you need to think about this, think about that. And you can do with that what you will, or we can continue a dialogue and see how we can help you fix those problems. It's very much down to anything else. But yeah, what we can bring in relatively quickly into a new situation is just an overview. And going back to what I was saying before, we've not got any emotional attachments to that business. So we can tell you tell you it as it is and what we see and what we think is right and wrong anyone wants to reach out to gary that again his site is insightassociates.co.uk that's i-n-s-i-g-h-t insight associates.co.uk or you can look him up on linkedin again jerry mumford yeah uh, reach out send him a message talk to him jerry it's been such a pleasure i would love to keep you here but i know you've got company from abroad visiting so i really want to respect your time I just thank you for coming and sharing. I know you've got your own staff, your own clients, your own audience, your own list that you could be talking to. So I appreciate you coming and sharing with my people. Hopefully, hopefully some people got some good value out of this. Yeah, thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Brilliant. 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 Thank you. Brilliant.